Welcome to Cognition with Abhirami Veena. Thanks for tuning in. My blog is under renovation at the moment and that's why there haven't been any blogs in the last week or two. I'm looking forward to sharing those updates with you all soon. Today two things happened that made me want to add another segment to our regularly scheduled programming. A segment called The Words of the Week. One of the incidents that happened today was my sister sent me a question from her TOK teacher, meaning theory of knowledge. She said it was super interesting and she wanted to know my opinion on it. So the question was, what is the role of language in the construction of knowledge? So we were talking about how knowledge used to be passed down orally instead of through books, and that's why language was such a part important part of the construction of knowledge. So because of that, I've decided that we're going to have a vocabulary segment where we talk about a few words. Now, I've had a really long day at work and I don't think I can do this podcast without my sister. So she's going to be joining us today. Say hi, Naya. Hello. <laughs> wanna come? So, the first word that I want to talk about today is the word rotund. Do you know what rotund means, Naya? No, go on. So rotund is an adjective that means a person is large or plump. And the reason why I wanted to talk about this word is words often when you use them you use them because when you learn them either there was some exciting incident or because like they sound funny and you like it or you like the meaning etc etc there's a reason why you remember certain words more than others so i wanted to talk about why i remember the word rotund so i don't know if this is a normal part of the indian syllabus because i studied in california but up to 6th grade we'd have spelling lists for the week and every single week you'd have to learn like 15 words <laughs> and using those 15 words you'd have to do different assignments so in 5th grade one of the words on this list was the word rotund and how i was taught it was yes the definition was written on a piece of paper it said a person that is large or plump but my teacher was like think of it as a nice way to call someone fat <laughs> and that memory is such a strong memory in my head and that's why i remember the word rotund so that's the word of the week rotund <laughs> so spelling tests were the worst <laughs> so okay So moving on, the breaking news of the week. We went on an abrupt trip to our hometown. So fun. We are from Sivagasi, which is the fireworks central of the world. So basically, we were in the middle of a cyclone. We live in Chennai, so if you don't know, last week there was a huge cyclone that's basically a hurricane and it was like terrifically frightening. And I slept through it. Yeah, my sister slept through it though. I'm not, I'm pretty <laughs> sure I did. My mom was awake for it. It was though. creepy. I heard noises though. So what happened was in the middle of the cyclone we get a phone call and they're like you have to come right now for this function. And then we're like what? We're in the middle of a cyclone and they're like no, your cousin sister has become a woman so you have to go. And then we went and came back. And then I was explaining what this function was to some of my co-workers. I work with a lot of North Indian people, people from North India, and I guess it's not a function that's celebrated there often. In Tamil Nadu it's a very normal thing. If you tell someone that you attended a puberty function, they would know what you're talking about. But for a lot of my co-workers it was like, "Oh, you guys celebrate this." And I found it so interesting and important to talk about why this is something that should be celebrated. So basically what a puberty function is is when a girl first attends her age or gets her first um 
menstrual cycle, that day, that event is celebrated as her becoming a woman from a little girl to a woman. And it's like a day where she gets to dress up and be on stage and gifts are given to her and she, there's so much importance put into her. Historically speaking, why this was necessary is because marriages used to happen at a very young age of like 15, 16, 13, 14. I mean, I know now that's child marriage, but like 200 years ago, that used to be a common event where people in India got married super young. So as soon as a woman had her first, a girl had her first period, they would have this function so that other people would know that, okay, there's there, a girl that is allowed to get married in that family or yeah, capable of getting married. It's like a public announcement. Historically, that's why it's done. But with respect to women empowerment and feminism, I think in our modern day, it's so important to do it. It's so right. important to make puberty something normal first. Okay. Something that should be talked about. Okay. Something that everyone should have knowledge on, not just women, but also men. What do you think? Like, celebrating it? Okay, to me, it sounds like having a huge function, celebrating it, and putting the girl up, up there. Like, I know, like, you're saying puberty should be something that's talked about and all this stuff. It shouldn't be, like, um, nobody should know and all. So, like, having a function, announcing it is okay, but having, like, a huge function itself could be tiring, you know? And there's, like, just so many things that need to be formal in those kind of functions, and it's not, like, a party, woohoo. It's very formal, so that 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 kind of bothers me. But then it's a tradition, and traditions are always meant to do. So again, that's a really good perspective. Where it's like, do we have to do all these things? Yeah. But that comes under preserving your culture. So like our culture is certain people have to do certain things. Right. If this event is happening, this this needs to happen because that's yeah. culturally how we carry out these functions. So even though there are modern edges, I mean, we were like blasting pop music and all that, but yeah. there are certain things that have to be done to preserve our culture because let's say we don't do it, then our kids are not going to remember what and all came under this culture and what the meaning of it and the importance of all that is. So I think it's important that we celebrate these type of functions and not only that it's a great excuse to bring your family together oh my god yes it was so fun this time we had such a good time so we haven't seen our cousins in a long time because long, long they're time. all like adults and grown up like people are getting new jobs and like are in college, college and studying and study. my sisters like most of them are like in those vital years of your education where like you can't put a holiday yeah, if it's an exam <laughs> yeah exactly so <clears throat> it's a great reason to celebrate and I feel like in 2020 the importance of celebration is so important so yes like we were we were safe we were wearing face masks and etc etc but it was really nice to see family after so long and it was a small gathering it wasn't like a huge it was gathering a huge huge huh it was a small gathering usually those kind of functions were like celebrate like a marriage yeah but it was like a kuti nice one yeah, so we had a really good time seeing family. And another thing is this function happened in our hometown, meaning so where my dad was born and brought up. So going back to our roots was really nice to take a moment and like step away from laptops and phones and remind ourselves like what is really life about? Like, you got to, like, for a second, like, we had to drive eight hours and then drive eight hours back. So even though there was, like, music playing in the car, a lot of time, like, there was 
half the people were sleeping so like there was no <laughs> one to talk to so you were just being silent like we weren't using phones or laptops it was a nice like recharge moment and we were able to take a fresh breath of air and one of the things that really struck me during this trip was you live your life once I mean, reincarnation, et cetera, et cetera. That was a different belief. <laughs> but you're not, gonna, you're not gonna remember it. So you get to live your life once. So you might as well lead it happily, freely. You might as well enjoy it. There's really no point to unnecessarily stressing about things, pressurizing yourself, putting so many things on top of your head and cramming your head like a pressure cooker. So it was a really good chance for me to be like, okay, maybe I need to step back and learn that I only get to live this life once. I need to do it in the best way possible for self-love and self-care. So for me, it was that kind of reminder. Okay, book! <laughs> <laughs> Shameless plug-in. <laughs> so that was the breaking news and update on our life this week. <laughs> and then, so we're going to talk about the book, um, Farewell to Manzanara. This is a book that I think I got from the library. Like, the book was so, like, torn up and beaten up that they had to, like, get rid of it from the library. They rejected it, and they have this bin outside the school library in, in Beachwood. Oh, okay, okay. So you can go pick up the library. Beachwood is the school I went to for um, fifth, fourth, fifth, and sixth. That was the elementary That's school it? I went to. Oh, okay. I've been there all my life. <laughs> no, not Beachwood. Acacia. Oh, Acacia. I don't even remember where yeah. I was schooled. I was schooled in so many different schools. So in Acacia, that I studied in Acacia for third, fourth, fifth, and sixth. Yeah. That's what I did. Okay, third, fourth, <laughs> fifth, and sixth. So outside of the library, there's this bin where they put like reject books that are like too old to be in the library because little kids can't handle it. So that's where I picked up this book, Farewell to Manzanara, and I have read it so many times since then. Like every time, I, I have, my bookshelf is pretty small because I don't really like to buy that many books. I like to lend them out from the library or read from friends and etc. etc. Ebooks, you're all about ebooks. Yeah, ebooks. And it's not because I don't like physical books. It's just like, till now I didn't have a job, didn't want to waste my dad's money. <laughs> like now I'm all for buying books. So anyway, so this is, of my small bookshelf, I make rotations. Like I read all the books and then I come back and read all the books. So this is also a book that I've read a lot. And what it's about is that it's actually a memoir of a girl who used to live in one of the concentration camps when during World War II, what happened was Japan and America was fighting. So Japanese Americans were segregated from the general public into these concentration camps. So Japanese Americans, meaning they were citizens of America. America. And yet, because they were of Japanese descent, they were segregated and put in concentration camps, literally taken out of their home and stuffed into this camp. And when I'm saying camp, it's not like a beautiful outdoor park. It's like you're put in cabins. I mean, you're provided food and all, but it's just not the same. You would be living in a comfortable house and then settling or in a camp. And this happens to this girl when she's at a very young age and she basically grows up in this camp. So she's surrounded by Japanese people all the time. And then at the very end of the book, that is when she gets to go back to like real life and real society. So she's in like high school at that point. So it's very interesting to see how human races bring so much segregation between us. So that's what I wanted to talk about with respect to this book. Why I really liked it is because I am an Indian American and I have definitely felt like that race brings some segregation among them. But one of the most important things that like any book that talks about immigrants or anything about race is that at the end of the day, we're all human. 
We all have similar emotions, similar thoughts, and similar feelings. We're all very unique and distinct, but at the end of the day, we are one as a person, like as a people. All of humanity is the same. And so reading this book, you it's interesting to see the lines of divide and segregation, but at the same time, she's going through very like similar things that you would be going through if you were not living in a concentration camp and living outside also. Like she's trying to understand how to talk to other children. She's trying to understand how to talk to boys how to talk to your like adults when they're going through like the stage that we like to call opius which is the old person syndrome which means that like they're getting a little bit older so they're starting to behave like children because they have like physical body aches and they're not able to have energy to do so many things so it's a really interesting book and one of my favorite parts of the book is she talks about this scene where she goes back to normal society and she's in her high school and she gets elected as like the homecoming queen, I believe. So how she, how someone gets elected as the homecoming queen is first you're nominated by your fellow peers and everyone who's nominated will do like a walk down the gym dressed up. And then after that, there'll be an election and the homecoming queen will win and she gets to like dress up and parade. So during the, um, nomination walk she'll be wearing a slightly shorter dress and then during the homecoming celebration she'll be wearing a slightly longer dress so her dad would have thought that she won because she was wearing like a shorter dress and like showing off and stuff like so stuff like that is approached in that book and it's interesting to see how her self-respect and dignity and how she feels about herself evolves as she learns things one step at a time in life and it's interesting how that is connected to her being an immigrant or an immigrant descent even though she's born there she's still somewhat a second generation immigrant right so those things are really interesting in that book and i would recommend anyone who is like me who's like a second generation immigrant i find that those people would really find that book interesting and also if you're someone who finds cultural differences interesting if you're someone that likes to see different parts of the world from different points of views then it would be really interesting for anyone in that case i don't think you've read this book naya right <laughs> no i haven't it's the really tiny dirty book that i have like it's like yellow and crusted and stuff it's you like don't let me read most of your books so oh yeah they're precious they're like my treasure so i really don't let her touch them much <laughs> I, read books. I mean i guess now you can read them you're much older <laughs> yeah yeah and then another point actually that i wanted to make about this book is you know what's the strongest point of humanity and why as humans we're the top of the food chain what do you think go on you have something to say yeah so what i think why we're at the top of the food chain is because we are so adaptable to any situation you give us in this book that really comes across she's living a comfortable life suddenly she's thrown into a concentration gap her entire family is able to adopt they get used to it they adapt to the situation they live there for multiple years then suddenly the world war ii ends and they're shipped back into society yet again they're able to adapt and they're able to mold themselves and go into society people are moved from one concentration camp to another and they're able to adapt so i think one of the key elements of being a human is learning how to adapt to new situations and survive beyond any of the things that you may be facing mm -hmm. what do you think yeah i agree thought about that but yeah 
I think we're super adaptable. I mean, I've always felt that one of my advantages in, like, of my okay, personality... Okay, that's true. I've said that too so many times. Yeah, one of my advantages of my personality is that I'm super adaptable. Like, if you give me a king-size luxurious bed to sleep on, I will happily sleep. If you throw me on the floor without a blanket, I will happily sleep. But you need nice bathrooms. Yeah, I like nice bathrooms. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like, I'm super adaptable. And I think that was one of my strong points in when we moved from California to Chennai my ability to adapt to a situation was very apparent because for most people of the same like transition that we had personally heard stories from they said that they had struggled but we did it quite easily because all four of us are very good at adaption so that was something comparing I comparing you and me uh, i mean you're no. a creature of comfort so <laughs> that was something that i felt like was very apparent in this book the ability of humans to adapt was really highlighted like in an indirect way it's never said anywhere really it's like if you're analyzing the book and looking at humans and investigating them and introspection and all that my book my book is about that watch out for that (laughs) (laughs) okay so next when's the book cover coming out um, that cannot be disclosed at this moment but it's ready people it's ready Okay, so next, my two cents of the week. Today I wanted to talk about how the human body is magical. Magical? Magical. How, madam? Because we're going to relate this to my job, computer engineering. So when we're coding something and creating a solution, this is again something that my coworkers have said. What? That when you're trying to code something, it's like you're trying to build a tank for water, to store water, okay? And if you don't do it well, the tank is going to leak. And either you rebuild the tank or you fill the holes in to prevent it from leaking. And it's really hard to write code that doesn't leak. Ah. Okay. So, the person who coded a human being. Okay, I don't want to talk about religion here. So, like, God or destiny or science or whoever coded human beings, they did a really good job. Because think about it. Anytime we leak, like, say, let's say... Yeah, like let's say you get physically hurt okay, okay. and you leak blood. Yeah. Boom, instantly fixed. Right? Your body is built to take care of it. Let's say mentally you're leaking. You have adaption, you have the ability. If you have to survive, you will survive. We will come back. Like evolution and Darwin and survival of the fittest is so fascinating with respect to humans. I mean, at no point has humanity completely vanished. I mean, we're like the strongest species. We exist everywhere across the world. We have dominated the globe. And that's not just because of our mental prowess, our physical prowess. As humans, our bodies are magical. The ability to rehabilitate and fix ourselves. It's amazing. I mean, when you break your arm, not now, nowadays they stick metal in you and fix you. But (laughs) back then, when you would break your arm, what would they do? They would just like make you stay in one place and then just fix right and how do your bones just mend together it's fascinating i mean i don't know if you have the same feelings but i used to be obsessed with biology okay you were obsessed obsessed with bio yeah so biology is one of those like things that i am obsessed with and i love and it's amazing that bones can just mend if you set them i mean like code doesn't do that (laughs) it doesn't i mean it just throws errors and it's like fix me fix me please and that's the whole concept of artificial intelligence right you're trying to recreate mankind in some sense and it's like the person who came up with coding humans did such a good job like wouldn't you agree 
So that's my two cents of the week. I wanted to talk about how amazing the human body is and the immune system is amazing. Like if you get a disease, it's going to create medication for it in the terms of antibodies and you're not going to get it again. Like again that like how are we going to ever replicate that in code just as a computer engineer i sit here and i'm like who did all of this it's amazing and the answer if you are religious is god and if you are not religious then the answer is evolution and it's amazing to think that such a simple process of evolution i mean do we all know the process of evolution it's just survival of the fittest so meaning that if there is 10 people and there is five mangoes the people who don't get fed they die so they don't get to pass on their genes so only the people who are strong enough to survive pass on their genes and that is how humanity has come this far so it is amazing that our immune systems are so complex and then after that i wanted to talk about how the human body is amazing with respect to adjusting to the weather this is such a huge part of my daily life I'm you know in America, so we lived cold. in cold weather. Yeah, True? So cold, yeah. We lived in California. It was like not freezing cold. As but a kid, it's a- I, I never like thought it was like, oh, freezing. I've always seen mom in jacket. Yeah. Pulling out a jacket when she goes like outside. And I'm like, why? I mean, 60 degrees Fahrenheit is not freezing by any means, but it is much colder than Chennai. So I would be fine in that kind of weather. But now in Chennai, when it's like 90 degrees, I'm comfortable. When it's like 82, I'm freezing. So it's amazing how over the seven years that we've lived here, my body has changed so much. And in college, we didn't have air conditioning at our college. So I was used to being in like 100, 100 plus degrees. And suddenly at office, it's like very cold because the air conditioner is on all day. And it's amazing to think about how my body, even though it was born and brought up in America, has accustomed so much to India that it only likes warm weather now. I mean, the other day someone was like, I can't even believe that you're from California. You're the only one in this office wearing a jacket in the air conditioning. And it's like, it's because my immune system and body are so good at adapting. So that is amazing. And on that note, I just wanted to tell everybody listening that you should really respect your body. I mean, we should think about what you're putting into your body, what you're doing with your body. Are you giving it enough rest? It is so important to respect your body. Your body is this magical thing, but it does require certain things. Like, you need to sleep this much time. You need, like, if your phone, you don't recharge your phone, your phone's not going to work. Same. If you don't recharge your laptop, you're not going to be able to code. So why do people not respect their bodies and sleep? Why do people not put the right food into your bodies? If you're going to eat cupcakes and muffins and cereal every day, then how is your body going to function properly? I mean, when you buy a new laptop, everyone checks all the specifications and they're like, this should be there and that should be there. Then shouldn't we do the same for our bodies? And I'm not calling out everyone here. I'm only calling out those of us who need to be called out, me included. I mean, half the time I sacrifice my body because I want to be watching another two hours of tv before i go to bed so this is a reminder also for me i need to respect my body and naya you need to respect your body okay because you live in your body i mean you clean the house shouldn't you keep your body clean too yeah so that's my two cents of the week the human body is amazing and magical and people should respect it respect yes So today we have two options. Either we can play a game with you, or we can read an excerpt of The Golden Spoon. Ooh, Golden Spoon. Which part are you gonna read? I'm not sure, how about we pick a part? Ooh!
yes, 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 yes. I love the golden book, even if it's like sad at the end. It's such a good book. You're not supposed to give it away that it's sad at the end. Okay, it's, it's not sad. It depends okay, I on your... find it sad, okay? It depends on your perspective. It depends on your perspective. I agree. There's a happy ending and a sad ending. Just go which way. So, originally I had thought that in the podcast I would read this chapter by chapter. But today I'd like to read like a random segment of it. Can I pick? Uh, no. Okay, what? Huh. Okay. Chapter 3. Shared Chocolate Pudding Digging through the mud, I found wriggling bugs, weeds trying to invade, black clay that stained my fingernails. I didn't use a shovel. What if the sharp metal dented the treasure? No, better to go on plowing with my bare hands. I plowed and plowed. Without a map, there was no X marks this spot, and yet I plowed. For my heart glimpsed what my eyes could not see, what my hands could not find. My heart was a map, it led the way to the treasure I sought. Lunch, it's the best part of the day. It has always been and always will be. But there used to be a time when it was the most peaceful part of the day. The part of the day where I didn't have to hide any of my weirdness. The part of the day where I was myself and no one could pop my bubble of bliss. The part of the day where I belonged without having to try. The part of the day that I spent with Amelia. Amelia and I go all the way back to 7th grade. We've been friends for about 13 years now, and it's been 10 years since I've seen her. We have a book friendship that's better than all the love stories out there. Freshman year of high school, we didn't share many classes, and we only really had breaks together. Yeah, we had PE together, but when you have to run the mile every Wednesday, it really limits catch-up time. Lunch was our us time. We were definitely not the average high school student type. We never stuck to one clique, preferring to befriend all kinds of people of good heart. We thought hate was a strong word. We never went through the view your parents as enemies part of teenage rebellion. We didn't date because we respected our parents' rules. We named a lunch table Ladybug. We missed our tree Fred Joe Bob that lived at our middle school. We accidentally nicknamed a boy after a Pokemon. We absolutely never ate at the cafeteria. Cafeterias are scary, no arguments. We would rather eat under trees. Normally, this is how lunch would go. We'd eat as fast as possible and then roam the corridors. Sometimes we add a soul or two to our entourage of two. Sometimes we'd try to find the cute guys in our classes. Sometimes we'd pour our hearts out to each other. Sometimes we'd walk in silence. Sometimes we'd people watch. Sometimes we'd discuss the differences in our cultures. We would do anything and everything. Everything was fun when we were together. One time I went, o- I went over to her house and it was a really hot day. I wanted to play with water, but Fullerton was in a drought. So how do you think we solved that problem? We washed her mom's car. I don't know how much cleaning got done that day, but afterwards we still had time to kill. Amelia was all out of ideas, so she asked me for a suggestion. My brain, as you've soon come to realize, is extraordinarily strange. I suggested that we go to Costco, a wholesale store. If I'm back crazy, then obviously my best friend is too. Amelia was all for it. Her dad wanted to know exactly what we would be doing. Our answer was eating free samples and walking, lots of walking. I have a minor minor ob- obsession with walking, childhood problem. What did we end up doing? Stalking a poor classmate of ours that ended up running around the store trying to avoid us. In our defense, we only wanted to say hi, his fault for getting traumatized. The following encounters with him at school were always interesting to say the least. Me and Emilia always managed to turn our days into adventures. We'd chase butterflies, dance a lot, throw oranges at the wall, go to football games where we watched very little football, baked instead of partying, 
We went to church together. I know I'm Hindu. There's no need to get confused. Ran in the rain multiple times, practically lived in our middle school library, and genuinely never cared about the skeptical looks people gave us. I can't believe that I've finally gotten a chance to get those lunches back. I look forward to ripping her kitchen into two while attempting to cook. With a smile on my face, I call Jennifer to give my finished tray back. Jen, I can call you Jen, right? Of course, madam, she answers while taking my tray. Oh, please call me Gautami. Can you connect me to the in-flight Wi-Fi? I question. Sure, Gautami, I'll be right back. With that, she hurries off to put the tray down. Within a few minutes, my WhatsApp starts beeping with notifications. There's a message from Amma telling me to say no when I'm offered a Hershey's chocolate bar by the air hostress. Our families traveled with the same airlines too many times. I replied that I'll eat the ice cream instead and to tell Gayatri and Appa that I missed them. I also ask her to please sleep well tonight without checking her WhatsApp every 10 minutes. There's multiple messages from my college friends and co-workers wishing me a school, uh, wishing me a safe journey. I can reply to most of those later, I think. I internally do a happy dance after noticing that Amelia is online. I almost spill my tea in excitement when I see Godemi's message. She's on the plane and has already finished lunch. On plane, done with lunch, smiley face. They gave you cold nuggets? Haha, <laughs> the plane is freezing, so I guess you could say that. When are you landing? Around 2 in the morning, your time. It's early. I'll get a shuttle. No way. You're going to ruin our airport movie moment. I just don't want to bug you. That's all. I really want to do the running and jumping and hugging as well. It'll be natural anyway. Yeah, I hope Kurt doesn't make too much fun of me after all the crocodile tears of happiness. Hehe. <laughs> I'm so excited to meet him. You realize if I don't like him, he goes out the window? He's already been warmed. I'm sure he'll be great. After all, who chose him? Amelia Bones. Lol. Forget him. The next three weeks are for us. Have you thought about your options? Kinda. We'll talk in person. I'm gonna go watch cheesy rom-coms. TTYLBFF. Bye, Gautami. Oh, I love that girl. The 9,800 miles separating us have got nothing on us, I say to Kurt sitting next to me on our green couch. He laughs and responds, Yeah, I know. How many times have you absolutely ignored me to message her? Don't even get me started on you two Skyping, he grins lopsidedly. Oh, come on, Kurt. You love her just as much as me. I elbow him. He ruffles his brown hair and says, Why else would I be working in the garden all day instead of watching the newest Jared Leto movie? After a short pause, his eyes go soft and he says, You both really deserve each other. I smile and reach out to rub a speck of dust on the tea table with my sweatshirt. So that is the excerpt from The Golden Spoon. So make what you will of it. So thank you for joining us today. And um, thank you for joining us today. And my blog should be renovated soon within the week or two. So we will be back to blog posts. But for now, I hope you enjoyed this. I hope you're having a good day. So if you enjoy listening to this, please share this. You can click on the share button and there should be a link for you to send it through WhatsApp to all your friendly humans. <laughs> so please do that. Support the podcast. So this has been Cognition with Abhirami Veena and my tiny minion Nayakuti. Okay, bye! bye.